guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Dying Sports YouTube page and podcast network. We've got episode seven with a fantastic guest for you guys, known coast to coast in the basketball community for his work, not only at the grassroots level, but all the way up to the professional ranks as well. Drew Ebanks is the CEO and founder of On Point Basketball, On Point Events, On Point Apparel, and everything else that he's got going on. He, he really is juggling quite a few things and uh, has really Really turned on point not only into a basketball brand but into a media and lifestyle brand as well so he's got a lot of uh, really great insights that he'll be able to share with us in terms of how he got to the point that he's at in his journey um, if you're interested in going down a similar path what are some things that you can do and also his take on the state of Canadian basketball what the future might hold and uh, what we can do to uh, continue to keep pumping out NBA level talent and uh, continuing to really advance the sport forwards as well too so lots of great stuff coming up hope you guys enjoy hey guys thanks for tuning in to another episode of the dine sports youtube page and podcast network joining me today founder and ceo of on point basketball mr drew ebanks how are you doing today sir not bad i'm doing pretty good man just hanging in these days yeah, yeah. And how, how are things in your neck of the woods? Uh, you, you guys keeping busy or uh, is, is it a little bit weird not having basketball right now? Yeah, huge. I mean, you know, we were on the go as always. We never stopped with hoops and, you know, this kind of just hit like straight like a hammer. Everybody, um, you know, every sport, not only basketball, every activity, uh, every social thing that you were normally used to doing seeing your friends and family every everything has just been shut down so yeah it's just been me kind of at home uh you know i work for the bank during the day as well so that's uh been you know interesting working from home for about nine or ten weeks now as well but as far as basketball yeah everything even our our leagues uh, our men's leagues you know shut down so it's been quite the uh the shock to the system that's for sure yeah, yeah, no doubt. And, you know, on that point, I mean, let's go through it here. You run not only On Point Basketball, but On Point Basketball events, On Point Apparel, On Point Free Agent League, On Point Summer Pro-Am League. Am I missing anything here? Hardwood Classics. Hardwood, Hardwood Classics, Classic. yeah, tournament, uh, which your good friend Tony House had a chance to uh, take the first inaugural championship. Then we did the All-Star Weekend for Hardwood Classics. and. Uh, just a whole bunch of stuff uh, going on with all point. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're a busy man for sure. And you know, uh, like, how, how many, if you had to guesstimate in, in, in a year, how many hours do you spend in a gym physically watching basketball? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, every week I would say, you're, you know, depending on how many games. I mean, weekends are a lot, especially. Oh, we forgot to mention the junior circuit and the senior circuit yeah. that we run with Tony as well and yourself. Um, so, I mean, any given week, you're talking, you know, 20, 20, 20 plus hours a week. That right there, you know, if you extrapolate that for the year, you know, somewhere around, I'd say seven to 700 to maybe a thousand, maybe a little more, depending on. How many events so a thousand hours uh watching hoops and on point's been around since 2012 so we're almost at malcolm gladwell territory just in the gym alone yeah. <laughs> yeah. quickly approaching your 10,000 hours for sure 
you, we're going to have to start calling you Master Drew pretty soon here, right? <laughs> I have to have that master class soon, man. They got to put me on, on there. <laughs> <laughs> so so let, let's go back to the, the very beginning here. You know, what was it that sort of sparked your initial interest in getting into sort of the media and, and broadcasting side of basketball? Well, I mean, I, I really, um, I played basketball. I played hoops. I was a point guard on the York University team. Um, you know, for the year that I played. So my interest has always been there for hoops. Um, my, you know, my brother played in the States, my girl cousin played in the States, both D1 and D2. Um, and, and all my friends, you know, guys like Rowan Barrett and, uh, you know, those kind of guys in that era all played in the States. So went down there a lot to watch him, went down to watch my, my brother and my cousin. So I always had a desire to be in the sport. Um, and then, you know, I played one year and then we had a family business. So that kind of took me away from being able to continue my playing career. I also was thinking about going to the States too. Um, and you know, my dad lives in Boston. So I was thinking of that area. He actually lives right around the corner from Patrick Ewing. So uh, it was interesting one year getting down there and actually meeting Pat. But, uh, you know, after playing, I just wanted to be involved in, in basketball. And I remember... Uh, clearly, uh, one of the guys I looked up to uh, was John Saunders. He was a sportscaster here in Toronto uh, before he went to the States on ESPN. Um, and, and I looked at him like, wow, you know, if I wasn't playing sports, I definitely would love to talk about sports and be involved. So, um, you know, at some point I decided, hey, let me, uh, let me go back to school uh, and take a broadcasting radio and television program. Uh, did that while working for the bank, uh, which I have still been doing. And the crazy thing, Kyle, some people don't even know. They think I'm doing on point full time, the only thing. Uh, but I've been at TD for over 20 years uh, as well as working in hoops. Um, worked for Global Television, was a reporter there, um, did that for a while. And then also, um, you know, started working with the magazine called Crown that covered Canadian basketball. So I did, you know, writing for them. I did uh, uh, videography for them and editing as well. We put together stories, we put together features. Um, and then kind of after that, worked with the NBL Canada when to, to help start that league up. Um, you know, was a VP of communications for the Oshawa team, the Oshawa Power. Uh, and then right after that, I was kind of like, uh, I want to do my own thing. I want to you know, I work for everybody else, but I see my vision for Canadian basketball. And there weren't enough stories out there. there. We had so much success, but the mainstream media wasn't showing basketball success. So, I, you know, I had seen some videos on, I think it was NBA TV uh, Canada, and they were like these high-level videos, kind of like, you know, documentary style, but just the quality of it was great. So I actually went to find out who was that. Who was putting those videos together? Uh, and it was a guy named Jay Irving. And we got together, got in touch, and I, you know, presented my vision of what we wanted to do. Uh, and how On, On Point really got kicked off was, uh, you know, we would cover a lot. Uh, during my the early times with Crown and everything, I worked at Hoop Dome part-time. And the guys would come in, the Anthony Bennett's, the Tyler Ennis's, the Andrew Wiggins. You know, they who don't hosted all the Canada basketball events, a lot of them, uh, and also the, the rep clubs and the AU clubs came in there to play. Um, you know, so that's kind of where I met a lot of the guys like Corey Joseph, DeVoe Joseph. I mean, 
you go down the line, Negus Webster Chan, the whole nine. So uh, we were doing any, uh, uh, covering an event that uh, Canada Basketball was having downtown and they were staying at the Royal York. So we were in there shooting video and doing interviews, things like that. And Corey said to me, uh, you know, Drew, if there's anything you ever need uh, as far as hoops or whatever, if you want to do a little uh, interview or whatever, let me know. He wrote down his number. At that point, I, I was covering them for a while, but I didn't really, I don't like to get too personal. I like, you know, give the athletes their space. He actually offered his number to me. Uh, so I, you know, obviously a couple weeks later, took him up on that. Uh, and that was 2012, the summer of 2012. And we went out to his uh, middle school uh, out in Pickering and we shot the first episode of On Point. And uh, I'll tell you one thing, if you don't know about Corey Joseph, he's the, He's the ultimate good guy. I mean, uh, you know, he was there. I think it took us probably about four or five hours to finish the shoot. It was about 45 degrees out there, the hottest day of the summer. And not once did Corey Joseph say, uh, are we ready? Like, are we done? Like, you know, I, I need to go. He stood, he stayed in the whole time. We had a little one-on-one, -on -one, uh, you know, matchup there. Of course, uh, he beat me, but I, I shook him a couple of times. I got him. <laughs> And then, uh, and then that's how that first episode, Corey Joe Flow, was the first one. And then we got a, gra a graphics guy like Mark, named Mark Sylvain. He looked at it and he said, hey, guys, I can help you guys with your graphics. I love, uh, you know, the concept of that first episode. And what I'm wearing here is actually a product of what Mark did. And, you know, he was working at CBC at the time. He didn't ask for a penny. He just said, hey, I, I, I love what you're doing. I'm going to help you out. So... Corey Joseph was the start of On Point. And when we put it out there on YouTube, and we put it on the internet, um, it just, um, it just like, everybody was like, yeah, we need something like this to tell these stories. So it's all over the place, but it worked out where it came down to just back to the essence of, uh, of hoops. Right, right. Now, hey, there's worse places you could start off than with an NBA superstars episode one, right? <laughs> And he was so generous, you know, I mean, he, he was just so humble, um, you know, never a complaint, uh, took a couple takes for some of the, the, the plays that we wanted to do, uh, you know, and again, it was so hot. We were, you couldn't tell in the video, but it was scorching out there and no shade, really. It was all right there. You know, the, the, you know, the courts that are in the back of the schools, yeah. like right, right there, and you're getting that heat resonating and hitting the wall and it's just coming right back at you so it was just an amazing feeling just to get the first one done yeah 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 playing on uh, on the surface of the sun there it feels like I'm sure. <laughs> it felt like it <laughs> <laughs> so so you know you already touched on it a little bit there where you know what a lot of people don't realize is you know as many hours as you do spend on a basketball court with filming and on point and all your events and that you do actually have a, a nine to five right yeah. and so you know the, the term side hustle is thrown around so often these days like this this is the ultimate side hustle here you got so many aspects of it that you know how do you juggle it all how, how do you find balance between the two yeah it's a great question I mean my mom says it to me all the time she's like do you sleep <laughs> uh, and I say to her simply not much. Yeah. I mean, I average about, I'll, I'll be honest, maybe five hours, five, six hours max for the, for the most part. Um, and so this actual, this break with COVID and coronavirus actually came in a great time. I was exhausted. I was beaten down. You know, we planned the, the two hardwood classics events. 
Uh, it took a lot, six months of just nonstop planning and execution. So uh, when I was done, I just was exhausted, was kind of under the weather as well, just my body was run down. So I've taken this time to kind of really kind of take time for myself, do what I need to do to kind of rest. Um, you know, I'm eating good, as you could see. Uh, you know, I've been cooking like crazy, uh, which is great in that sense. But now I got to start getting out and running. So for me, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm a great uh, with time management because when you're doing what I'm doing, uh, you could think, hey, one evening I'm going to be chilled. Then all of a sudden you find out, oh, so-and-so's playing uh, you know, somewhere or somebody uh, is doing a, an announcement or something and they want on point there can, you know, to come. So there's times when you're, you're not planning on being at an event. You're just planning to do more on the business side and you're not able to do it because so many things are going on. Uh, so, and it's hard too when you don't really have that sidekick, uh, somebody else on the team that could be at events, you know, but hopefully as we are, we're planning right now, we're trying to get people more involved with On Point and hopefully bring some more people so I can get some rest. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You need a Robin to your Batman there. I do, definitely. <laughs> Anyone out there listening who's got a strong resume and wants to put in some work there, send it over to Drew. We, we, we're looking for people all the time. I mean, we take interns, we take volunteers, we can, you know, we pay a little bit as well, if, you know, depending on the job. So, you know, we just want good people to be involved. There's so much basketball, it's impossible for even one outlet like myself to cover it. You, you know, there's so many people that are involved in basketball now, so many different stories, it's really hard. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and so when you are starting to feel, you know, that, that burnout set in, do you have any go-tos that sort of recharges the batteries or you know, activities that you do to decompress a little bit? Um, well, right now I'm catching up on Netflix. I uh, had a few series over the years that I had to stop, like just stopped right in the middle. So I've gotten through uh, many of those. Um, I find, you know, I love movies. I love, uh, you know, series documentaries i love wildlife shows that that i think being able to watch some of the wildlife shows are incredible there's a new one i believe it's called in in the dark or into the dark yeah. you like or anybody likes that please check it out they have these cameras that can actually uh, you know show in nighttime their night vision and some that actually are made uh to you know highlight things in the dark and it's just unbelievable. I think it's one of the best things that I've ever watched. Uh, so that's one thing that I do. Um, I love to read. So, you know, but I don't have much chance to read when we're on the grind. So I've been able to start a couple books. Uh, Gary V is a huge one right there crushing it. So I'm starting to read that. And uh, I have a few more. I think I have the John Calipari one. And I have here the Iverson one, not a game. So I want to read that for sure. And I also have. Phil Jackson, got to read that. 11 Rings, have to read that. So um, lots, to, lots to catch up on, man. Just, uh, I like to cook. Like I said, I don't get a lot of time. So cooking for me means, uh, you know, I like to cook, you know, salmon. I love little chicken, you know, uh, so, you know uh, stir fries, things like that. Um, and so I really am enjoying this time to kind of just unwind. And Half the time, Kyle, right now, besides having meetings with my team, trying to plan for 2021, essentially, we're not sure 
what 2020 is saying. A lot of times now I'm just lying on my couch, just enjoying some rest. <laughs> yeah. And some well-deserved downtime for sure. <laughs> you know, so let's talk about your, your, your process a little bit here. And, you know, I, I think for a lot of people getting started is almost half the battle, right? They feel you're yeah. underqualified or they don't know where to turn to or, or look, you know, at, at the beginning, when you were putting together these these films and editing these mixtapes and everything that you were doing there, were, were, were you ever a perfectionist where you were just spending hours and hours, I, I got to get this perfect shot or this perfect angle? Or were you more, you know, you would just go with the flow and, and whatever you happen to capture that day, you know, that's gravy. What, what, what was your process like? Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit of a per perfectionist. I think when we started On Point with Jay, um, he's the he was the filmmaker kind of guy. I was, you know, the director, producer, kind of, I had the contacts with basketball. I knew the people we needed to do the stories on. Uh, so, you know, he, he took care of it pretty much on being perfect and kind of high standards. Uh, and we would obviously bounce ideas back off each other. But once we filmed and we're on location, as our slogan is, On Point On Location, he kind of took over that part of it and then we would go over it and make tweaks. I'd make suggestions here and there, um, you know, also who to add in at, at certain points as far as interviews and stuff. So uh, for, for us, it was a combination at, at the start for that first year, just bouncing ideas off. But again, the reason I started on point is I wanted to do something with high production values. And so, uh, you know, something that could air on TV and, and that's kind of what I looked at it. Cause you know, obviously you can shoot stuff with your phone nowadays. Uh, and a lot of times you don't even want it to like that. It's too, uh, you know, perfect. You kind of want the imperfections. You want the camera shake, uh, things like that. So, um, it's a, it's changed now, you know, back then I, we were kind of looking to make it more, uh, clean, something that could air on TV. And we, we actually got lucky. We, um, we got our episodes probably about four, I think four or five or six, something like that, uh, through Akil Augustine from NBA TV Canada at the time. Good friend of mine got us uh, some of our episodes uh, on the show and on the station. So after we got that to air during March Madness, uh, we there was so much feedback, so much positive, uh, you know, because people saw something that started in this, you know, grassroots got a chance to be aired on TV. Unfortunately, it didn't really follow up after that. We kind of wanted them to come back and sit down and hash something out. Uh, it just didn't work. But I've got some ideas coming up uh, for some TV stuff. And obviously, the YouTube is still there. Um, you know, we have a lot of content on YouTube. If you haven't watched it yet, check us out there. You know, all our early features, uh, Jordan Brand Classic, The Hoop Summit, uh, you know, going down to West Virginia for Andrew Wiggins and uh, Dayton, Ohio, all over the place, uh, as well as Canada. So, um, you know, it's been a great, man. It's just just telling stories of Canadian basketball. I think that's kind of where we want to get back to. I think, Kyle, nowadays the attention spans are a little shorter. So if and when we do get back to that a little more, you know, we'll cut it down. We used to do, you know, even upwards of 20 minutes as documentaries, mini docs. Now, I think, you know, if you're a minute, minute and a half to, to two, three minutes, I think that's enough because the, the, the people out there watching, they just want the quick stuff now. So it's a little bit different.
Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the, the more you talk about uh, on point here, the, the thing I keep hearing is, you know, relationships. And, you know, oh, uh, it was this guy who connected me with this guy and, and introduced me to so-and-so. You know, like, how important would you say, you know, your, your networks and, and who you know is in, in building a brand? And, and for those who might be looking to get started, you know, how, how do you build a network? I mean, it's just being there. You got to be consistent. Whatever field you're in, uh, you've got to be around people. You've got to be around the movers and shakers. I think your personality, um, you know, if you have a pleasant personality, uh, tr you know, try to get along with as many people as you can. Uh, because when you need to call on favors or, you know, a, a player, you want to get an interview or something like that, they'll be cool if you reach out to them. You know, try not to burn bridges because you never know who you may need, uh, you know, to help you at some point uh, to put together your projects or, or help you with it. So relationships are number one. Um, you know, uh, you know, I kind of do interviews as well uh, on our network, uh, Barnburner TV network, Zingo TV. So and for that, it's like, you know, if I call on people most of the time, if they're available, they'll be able to come on the show. And so relationships, I think, are number one. Cultivate those relationships. Uh, treat everybody equally uh, because you never know, you know, somebody could end up where you want to be one day. And so if you, you know, you don't treat them right, they may remember that. So uh, I can't even count how many people at this point I know in the basketball community. Uh, you know, there's, I would say there's a few thousand that I know that I could say, hey, you know, I'd talk to just over the years building up my Rolodex um it's there so it's a great thing you know i've been in the business a long time and i want to do more we're not anywhere near where we want to be uh but the relationships are definitely key yeah no wise words for sure and you know you, you just mentioned you, you know as far as you've come you still have that hunger sort of for that that next level and you know not being satisfied with just the status quo you know do, do you have sort of like an ultimate end goal in mind of if you had, you know had a magic wand or genie in a lamp and you could make make one wish come true like are, is that something you're working towards or is it an ever-evolving thing and you know it evolves over time yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, we never know where we're going to be. I mean, ultimately, I have some project. I have two projects in mind that I think would take, especially one of them would take basketball to the next, next level. Uh, we'll see. I mean, it takes funds. It, take, it takes capital to pull off something like that. Um, but I'm never satisfied. I, I dream big. Sometimes I dream too big. <laughs> My team sometimes has to bring me back in and say, hey, let's just do oh, one at a time. Uh, you know, but uh, for me, it's it's ultimately maybe one day we'll build on point to the point where somebody will reach out and want to buy it from us and want, you know, to kind of take it to the next next level. So that could give me an opportunity to maybe branch out, do a couple other things that I want to do, uh, you know, so we'll see how that goes right now. But I still have with the on point brand, I still have some things I want to do. I love coaching as well. Uh, I love to teach the game to the young people out there. So I think maybe down the line, I could, uh, you know, if I'm not involved in on point for after uh, a while, just get back and try to help the youth come up, uh, you know, and maybe be a part of a program or, or something of that nature. 
for sure for sure and you know what that's a perfect segue here of you know let's talk basketball and you know the canadian landscape here for for a little bit and you know you especially you see all ages gender skill levels from you know the little tiny mini hoopers all the way up to you know prep school ranks and pros and college and all that Mm -hmm. is there anything whether it's a common trait or, or an ingredient that you've noticed over the years that that is there for those elite level high performing teams that you know separates them from the herd a little bit is there something that they share in similarity with one another i think a lot of the the good programs and good players they're very hungry uh you know they want to be the best uh you know in their division or whatever tournament they're in uh they have a desire they have a drive uh you know to to constantly get better and improve uh as well and the heart you know they always have big hearts as well i think one of the the watershed moments in canadian basketball uh was when the grassroots team went down uh to las vegas and and took down you know in the adidas super 64 took down a lot of top american teams uh and won that event uh you know and that i think from there showed a lot of our teams uh, that travel down to the states, and I know there's a lot from Ottawa as well. A few that go down to the states and and ch- you know take on teams down there, uh, and a lot of obviously from here in the GTA as well as in the West Coast. I think when that win came in, it showed Canadians that we could play uh, and beat the best uh, that America had to offer. And, and since then, you know, we've had teams go down, uh, you know, and and take championships down there. Uh, played in uh, events like the Nike EYBL, uh, you know, the, the Rose Classic, you know, even on the girls' side, when you look at the ladies going down and, and winning championships down there, I think the confidence level now of Canadians is at an all-time high. They don't fear Americans. They don't fear playing anybody, and they will go against anybody. Win or lose, they're going to give it their best. So I think uh, Canada has so much to offer the world sees what's happening here in Canada as well. I mean, even personally for myself, I get a lot of kids reaching out to me from Africa, uh, South America, Europe, uh, you know, even in the States, you name it. Um, they want to come here to Canada. Uh, you know, I've even had a kid ask to me to adopt them uh, <laughs> about a month ago. Can you adopt me? And I was like, wow, I was floored by that. Just, they just want to come and they know, Canadian basketball is on the rise uh, and they want to get here, whether it's Canada or get to North America, they are truly seeing what Canada is offering on the world stage. For sure. And, you know, huge, huge progress, I would say, even in the last you know, five or six years, as far as not only international play, but domestically as well. And, you know, grooming our talent at home here. Uh, if you had to say that maybe one or two changes that, that we still need to make to sort of close that gap on, on the Americans a little bit still, what are those things that still need to happen for Canada basketball to take even that next step forward? Well, I think uh, funding and, and, and economics plays a big part. Capital, uh, you know, cash infusion, whatever you want to call it. I think the corporate side of Canada, we know with hockey being a hockey country, you know, the money goes there. I'd say probably 90 to 95% of advertising dollars of sponsorship goes there. But basketball's, I think, the fastest growing sport amongst teens. Uh, and so that has to, you know, be taken into account. So 
for us to move this sport forward, I definitely think uh, the corporate side of things uh, has got to uh, continue to get better. Uh, and they have the corporate community has to embrace basketball because a lot of the, you know, new people to Canada, uh, you know, a lot of, like we said, young people, it's easy to play. You don't have to have a huge outlay of cash, uh, you know, so anybody can pretty much get on a basketball court and play. So I think the, the corporate Canada side of things needs uh, to, to get better. Uh, and as far as what else I think, I think more unity. Um, you know, I hear stories about not only across the country do we need to pull together for this sport, but in certain cities, I hear of, you know, Toronto is no exception. I mean, a lot of politics involved in basketball, a lot of egos and a lot of people kind of pulling their own way, um, you know, but hopefully we can realize, you know, we're better together as a basketball community. Uh, and I've heard of other cities too, where, you know, the, you know, the, Governing bodies aren't getting along with the rep clubs and uh, things like that. So I think within a city, within an area, within a province, got to be more unity for basketball. And then as a country, we need to be united and work together to expand the game. You see some of it happening. Some of the programs uh, here that are based out of Toronto have now started uh, factions out in the East Coast, in the West Coast. Uh, so we're starting to see that happen even more. Uh, and of course, the talent will probably a lot of times gravitate here to Toronto. So I think Toronto has to be the lead, number one, to be unified for the sport. Uh, and then from there, the country can be unified. Absolutely. And, you know, last year, the CEBL, you know, had their inaugural season there. And right. you know, that, that, that's hopefully going to be a, a big part of it as far as re actually retaining our homegrown talent and providing some options after the youth sport level and all that. But what, what sort of impacts do you see the CEBL or, you know, other pro leagues in Canada having on the game? Well, it's been great. I mean, as mentioned, I had, had been there from day one to start the NBL Canada. Uh, it's had its ups and downs. I think one of the things that's hurt uh, that league is not being affiliated with FIBA. That's been tough because there's no real governing body uh, for them. And, uh, you know, their marketing and advertising hasn't been – uh, up to par. Uh, but when you look at the CBL, and I had a chance to speak to the brass, uh, uh, you know, was dealing and talking to the marketing side as well as, uh, you know, the commissioner and the, some of the ownership there. And we had a chance to go to some games last summer. What I really liked about them is the, uh, you know, the, the presentation of the product right from the get go was A plus. Uh, the graphics, the color scheme, uh, you know, the fact that they were affiliated with FIBA. They brought on sponsors, uh, you know, New Era, who we work with, uh, sponsor for them. Uh, and they had Canada Basketball involved as well. So they were smart. They, you know, hit all the buttons and knew this is the way for us to do a summer league, which sometimes can be hard. Uh, but they, from what I understand, got pretty good crowds at a lot of, of their games. And Ottawa now with a with a franchise, you know, that's amazing for you guys. I mean, the thing about it, even when you look at the Raptors 905, and now you look at the CBL, there's now more opportunities for people who want to be want to be involved in basketball, whether it's in front office of a team of the CBL, marketing, ticketing, uh, you know, you know, the product, putting the product out to the people, community relations. You look at what's happening 
happening in Canada and all these leagues and all these teams. It's just providing an outlet. And I think a lot of our players want to play in the pro leagues. They want to play in the NBA. They want to play in the WNBA. They want to play in Europe. But if it doesn't happen for whatever reason, now there's so many opportunities for you to still remain in the sport of basketball. And I think that's the greatest thing that there's so many outlets now like the CBL, um, you know, that's giving opportunities. Obviously with the coronavirus and COVID, we don't know what's going to happen. I think the season was probably supposed to have been started or just around now, you know, getting going. And unfortunately right now things are on hold. So, you know, we pray and we hope, you know, they can at least have games, even if maybe no spectators, we'll see how that goes. The NBA's kind of, you know, started to churn a little bit slowly back up. We see in soccer uh, overseas, uh, Bundesliga. We see in, in Korea, uh, their baseball league starting up. So, you know, we just hope and pray, man, that it's going to happen. But I know that Ottawa area, man, it's crazy for basketball fans. You saw with the Carlton-Ottawa game every year, Canadian Tower Classic, I believe that, that it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you see the passion I I envy Ottawa in some ways because I think in Toronto, Kyle, we take things for granted. And the passion and enthusiasm at times is not here to when I look at uh, other places in Canada. When I see in a BC, they can have 4,000 at their provincial championships games. And again, I look at what you guys recently put on uh, with the U Sports men's in Ottawa. And from what I hear was a fantastic event so I think your city is going to be very key to the growth of basketball going forward and we know uh with the, your squad there that you guys are going to have the best fans in the business for sure yeah yeah no it, it'll be interesting for sure because you know uh, speaking of the blackjacks there you know I had season tickets and they were supposed to have their first game a couple days ago there and right so, right it, it's 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 a tough spot for everyone to be in Right. So whether you're in the professional ranks or, you know, uh, semi pros or even at the amateur level, we're having to see a lot of pivots right now. And, you know, using your company as an example here, how do you stay busy when there isn't the live content aspect, which is so key to, you know, sports marketing and media and whatnot? (laughs) We're all, I mean, even on our show on Barnburner, uh, we're talking about, you know, the last dance. You know, we're talking about some of these other leagues starting up. But as far as hoops, you know, I think the NBA is starting to, you know, get back. So there might be some things that we can talk about there. But, yeah, as far as, you know, what we can do, uh, you know, it's more just, you know, interviews like these, shows like these. You know, I think what's amazing too, Kyle, is so many people – I think are overcoming their fears in this time uh, when it, when it comes to even being on camera, I've seen so many ex players and, and players that are playing still, but are home now because of COVID that are becoming reporters. And that's good for me because I know now when I go to call on some of these people after they're done playing, I'm going to be like, Hey, I want you to come and be and work with on point. You can do it. And they can't give me an excuse no more. Like, Oh, no, 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 I'm not in front of the camera. I've seen a lot of them, and I'm actually very impressed. You know, they prepared. They had their questions. Um, you know, they're, they're, they know they're knowledgeable. But it's, it's open. This is a blessing in disguise this whole time. I think it's opened us up to 
being able to communicate with people even more now. Because I'll be honest, I really just thought of doing interviews and content right with people all the time in their presence. But now, like, you can have regular shows going on without having to be in the same room and, you know, Zoom and House Party and all these different applications, Google uh, Hangouts uh, are incredible because now we are closing the gap in a way with people. Even when you think of just talking to your family now, you know, uh, you can go on WhatsApp video, you can go on Instagram video, uh, you know, and you can have chats. So as much as this has taken us apart from each other, I think it's also drawn us closer and it's made a lot of people feel they can do anything and are capable. And that's a great thing. No, absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, definitely made people have to get a little bit creative with it, right? Like even since yeah. we launched our channel here, I haven't been able to do a single in-person interview. They've all been either over Zoom or FaceTime or, or whatever, right? So have to get a little bit, uh, you know, creative with the tools that you use. But like you said, it's forcing people out of their shell. They can't play the camera shy card anymore. And, you know, you, you, you get to see people thinking outside the box and how do I solve this problem? And, you know, what tools do I use, right? So I've actually had, sorry, I've actually had people hit me up too, uh, that, you know, up to yesterday, uh, a player was like, Hey, can we get on? Like I have a, a there's a feature on me written somewhere. Can we get on and, and talk about hoops? So, you know, and I've encouraged that too. people. Hey, let me know if you have a story out there and you want to be profiled or featured, hit me up. We'll get you on Instagram live. We'll get you on uh, balling you know, every Tuesday night as well. And, uh, you know, tell these stories. So it's amazing that people are actually reaching out uh, to want to tell their stories. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and so maybe for, for someone who is out there considering taking, you know, similar path to yourself, or even, you know, just trying to get started in, in the sports media side of things. Are there any, you know, programs or tools that are out there that, you know, you would recommend them getting started or familiar with? Because, you know, that, that's sort of the building blocks of producing higher quality things down the road? Well, I mean, all the schools, a lot of them have programs. You know, I went to Seneca, so I did a radio and television program there. Uh, incredible. Uh, it was a two-year program, did the fast track, a year and a half straight uh, right into it. Um, and the amazing thing was I was at the bank at the time, and they were so flexible to let me take a broadcasting course. You know, I'm not sure if that could happen now, but at the, that time, you know, I wasn't sure they were going to let me. I thought maybe I would have to leave to take it. But I knew once I got in, I got accepted. It was only 21 out of about a thousand that got accepted in that program. I could not let that opportunity go. Uh, you know, so here, even in Toronto, I know Humber College has an incredible program. Uh, and I know the College of Sports uh, Media, they're um, head up by a guy named David Lannis, who used to work for the score. So um, we're actually getting some of their students. This is the incredible thing about what we're doing with Barnburner and Shout out my guy, Joe, Joseph Pasek as well. Um, a lot of the sports networks right now are not offering internships. So what we've done is we've jumped in and provided hours for uh, these young aspiring broadcasters from the College of Sports Media to come in and, uh, well, not come in, but actually do shows like this. And they are getting an opportunity that they may not have had before. So I feel really good that we're able to provide that for young students uh, as well. But 
you know, there's a lot of programs out there that offer, and I would suggest, yeah, try to get in. You don't have to, it's not necessarily a university program. You can get in and get a, a college radio, radio and television, broadcasting, media, uh, social media is huge. You know, if you can get a social media course, I think they have some that go for like a two, three months or, you know, a month and a half where you go every once a week. So that's a lot of things that you'd want to do as well as marketing. I find marketing uh, quite useful. Obviously in this day and age, if you have a marketing degree uh, or diploma, that helps you. Uh, and what I would also tell people is this is the age of video. This is the age of video. People don't even want to read one paragraph anymore, but they'll watch video. So what I suggest for a lot of people out there, understand video, whether it's using your phone, uh, using a, a stick to shoot your own uh, vlog uh, that you break into a series or you learn video editing and you learn uh, to shoot uh, with a camera, whether it's a DSLR or a video camera, that is huge nowadays. If you can put your own content together, um, you know, and make it into a series, that is something that, you know, is, is great for YouTube. It's great for the internet. Uh, and people will follow uh, that along. So I would really suggest if you want to do anything in this future age of the media side of things, learn how to shoot and edit video. Absolutely. You know, and you're kind of the authority on basketball video here in Canada, right? I used to shoot. I used to shoot and edit, uh, you know, back in the day. But I was okay. I wasn't bad. But, you know, you got to know your strengths and weaknesses, too. Uh, and so that's kind of why I went to Jay. And I was like, hey, you can execute what I have kind of in my head better than I can. And being humble, I think, and understanding your strengths and weaknesses, even in my position as a, and you could probably attest to as well, as a business owner, entrepreneur, my sole goal, I know basketball. But all the other things, luckily, we've managed to bring on point to this point basically because I've been able to watch other people, you know, the Bill Gateses and, you know, those kind of guys, the Puff Daddy, just to see how they do things more than actually taking any marketing course myself or uh, things like that. So I think, again, it's your drive and determination that's going to get you where you want to be and believe that you can get there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, aside from maybe Bill Gates and Diddy and the boys there, like, were there any mentors that you had along the way that, uh, you know, you either tried to emulate something that they were doing or they took you under your wing, uh, you know, on your way up as well? Well, I had mentors. Well, I had people that I looked up to. I mentioned John uh, Saunders. Uh, Stuart Scott was huge for me. Uh, even Howard Cosell, you know, watching him interview boxers and, and Larry Merchant interview boxers kind of in a tense situation. I mean, I can tell you there was a time when I was working for Global and I had to interview after games, uh, guys, you know, like uh, Rashid Wallace, not the easiest interview. He doesn't want to be interviewed, you know, but I remember having to corral him kind of in a corner to box him in. So I've kind of learned how to kind of, you know, get my way in situations. Um, as far as people here, um, uh, my friend Ray, Ray Williams, who's working at the College of Sports Radio, he was in the radio side of things. He was my mentor. And Nicholas Davis uh, was my mentor as well. He has worked at CBC for over 20 years as well. He's also involved in the basketball scene. And my love for broadcasting really started uh, when I was at York because I would also 
help to uh, do the stats for the broadcasting team. Uh, and there wasn't any computers back then. It was me writing down rebounds, writing down things because, you know, we wouldn't get it till halftime. But in between, I would sit beside Ray and Nick and push over a piece of paper saying, hey, he's got 10 points or she's got eight points, you know, three rebounds. And that's what we were literally doing back then, pushing a paper over to them so they could see and read those stats on the York University radio broadcast. So um, a lot of things. I hosted the a weekly show on Fridays, uh, News Now on, on CHRY, which is the York University radio station. Uh, so that was fun. And that gave me a lot of experience as well. That's, those are the things that I did to actually get into my program. Uh, and again, if you guys want to get into these programs, there's going to be a lot of people trying to get in. So what you need to do is separate yourself from your, you know, the other students that want to get in these limited, you know, social media or broadcasting programs, put in your work, get that volunteer time. It's not free time because that time that you're putting in, you're honing your craft, you're learning, and you're showing the people that are making the decisions about who gets into these programs. You're showing them that I'm multifaceted, that I'm willing to put in volunteer time, uh, you know, to, you know, get better and to, you know, get experience. So I think that helped me a lot to get where I am. If I didn't have all that experience on the side, um, you know, again, 20, 25 people got in out of, when I walked into the auditorium, Kyle, there was about a thousand people there and all those people were vying for the program. So, uh, anything you can do to separate yourself, uh, will help you. Yeah. So de developing that sponge mentality and saying yes to pretty much everything. Then. Hey, if you've got to sweep the floor at, at, a, at a TV station or whatever, do it just to be there because who knows when you're sweeping that floor, uh, you know what I mean? Somebody could leave and all of a sudden, hey, we need somebody to fill this position. Can you do it? Well, I think so. I've been around here. I've been hearing you guys quickly go over it. And, you know, you never know, right? Those, those are the stories that you never hear. Yeah, no, for sure. So, I mean, you know, like we said, you're, you're sort of the authority on, uh, you know, basketball, media and mixtapes and all, all of that right now. It, everybody and their grandmother seems to have a mixtape these days. You know, is, is there in your experience, you know, when, when it's a college or a prep school that is getting hundreds and hundreds of these mixtapes every week there? What what are the what are the coaches at the next level really looking for when when they're scouting potential recruits on film? Well, um, you know, it's more than just the mixtapes, obviously, because that just shows that you're doing everything right, which is ridiculous. There's no way. Um, I think what kids need to do that are looking to get to the next level uh, is send coaches. And I always say this too: don't wait on schools to recruit you. Figure out 10, 15, 20 schools that you are interested in based on the program they have, number one, uh, what they offer, and reach out to them. Send an email with a link to game tapes, not necessarily only a mixtape, but a full game tape uh, or a highlight reel, but it's longer than just, you know, two seconds before the bucket. It has the play developing uh, beforehand. So I think that's kind of where you have to look at if you are trying to sell yourself. Uh, I always tell kids too, your social media is hugely important. Be careful what you tweet. Sometimes they're tweeting rap lyrics and things and coaches don't know that that's a rap lyric and that might be, uh, you know, taken into the wrong concept, context. A lot of kids too, they have social media accounts. They're private. 
Now I understand you want to have a private account, but if that's the case, also have a public social media account that shows you on the court, that shows you standing in your uniform, that shows your highlights that you can post on that. Get your friend, get your brother or sister, get your mom or dad to film it. You know, same with, uh, you know, video. When you're a young player coming up, have make sure, even if your team's not filming their games, make sure you're the one that's uh, doing it on your own, having initiative on your own. So I think kids can do a lot, uh, but again, it's the way they're presenting themselves. Remember, kids, you are a bro- brand you are a brand you're just like mcdonald's you're just like jordan brand you're like sprite you are a brand so you have to sell your brand and sell yourself and 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 the more you sell yourself uh, the better it will be i know one parent who's even made a logo for his son and and is also following and taping games and have all the games posted and everything so those are the kind of things that coaches are going to look at and say you know what this person is really serious about what they want to do. Um, and it, they're all about business professionalism. That, I think, takes you a long way. Yeah, so taking a proactive approach to the recruiting process rather than right. waiting for that dream offer to fall into your lap then. Yeah, why would you wait when you now have all the tools? With your phone, you can make videos and edit right on your phone So and add a logo and things like that. So the excuse can't be there anymore. You can sell yourself just like any other major brand. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and you know, I, I know we've got limited time here. So, so maybe we'll, we'll wrap up with this and, and might be hard to pick one. So if you need to pick a couple, has there been anything over all the years of, you know, on point basketball and the hours and hours and hours you spent in a gym that stands out as, you know, the most memorable moment or <laughs> a couple most memorable moments that you've ever seen in person in basketball? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been to a lot of games, I think, um, you know, going down to the States and seeing the phenomenon that was Andrew Wiggins um, taking over in the States was incredible. Um, first time going to the Jordan brand classic, uh, just being at the practices and having the access, um, you know, the Nike Hoop Summit as well, where Canada, uh, coached by Roy Rana for several years, went over there and beat the Americans with an international team. Uh, just absolutely phenomenal to be a part of that one of my favorite events the hoop summit you're very free to you know talk to the players during practice things like that so you get the access and we covered the guys like jabari parker and aaron gordon uh you know julius randall all these guys uh, in the states that are that are in the nba as well as all our canadian kids jamal murray uh you know we mentioned tyler ennis anthony bennett uh, you know, a lot of our kids, Justin Jackson, before they got to their point. Um, and here, I would say, uh, you know, just being involved in even like an Elijah Fisher being able to be up close here, uh, you know, with him has been incredible because he's a kid that's uh, on the rise right now as well. Uh, you know, and the, and the ladies, I think being involved and interviewing people like, you know, Natalie Achonwa, uh, Kayla Alexander, and, and to see, uh, you know, the Cheyenne Day Wilson and Latasha Lattimore and Aaliyah Edwards now going to UConn and them going to Syracuse. It just, it makes me feel so good just to see these young athletes, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, Muriel Shayok. I mean, I love the kid uh, from your area. Yeah. And doing what he's doing, you know, with the 76ers. So I live, Kyle, through these kids. Uh, They're able to play for Canada. 
Uh, another one was watching, uh, covering Jamaica playing against Canada here uh, at the Matabee Athletic Center. You know, being Jamaican background, that was a very proud moment to see that happen. So I have so many memories, you know, covering the Raptors when I was at Global, you know, interviewing guys like, you know, Bosch and DeMar DeRozan, uh, you know, you name it, going through as many people I can. So it's been a great ride, man. It's been fantastic. And I'm, I'm lucky to be in this position I am. Absolutely. So uh, what you're saying is we, we can expect maybe an on point on location down in Syracuse next year with the girls heading down there. Yeah, like uh, that's going to be we've been there a few times. We know we've been there for Tyler. Uh, we've been there for O'Shea Brissett. Um, you know, so it's been somewhere where we're familiar with. It's close. So that's fantastic. Uh, we'd love to go to UConn as well to see if we can check out Aaliyah's game. Um, you know, we go to Michigan a lot. We were just there the other day for uh, two of the guys graduating, uh, you know, from in that area uh, as well. So, uh, you know, it's been a fantastic time, man. And yeah, we'll see you guys. And, and you know, we want to get over to Ottawa a little more. We want to get to Montreal, that area, Ottawa, Montreal areas. We want to be out there with On Point and, and really trying to give more light to kids from that area because we know it's, you guys never get as much uh, attention that you deserve with all the talent coming out of that area. Well, we'd love to have you. you. You just name the day and time and I'll meet you at the airport or whatever there. <laughs> <laughs> so w where can people find you if they want to learn more about either what you do or what On Point Basketball does? Where can people uh, get a hold of you? Well, we're online or on Instagram, On Point Basketball, as well as Facebook, On Point Basketball. Um, on Twitter, at Drew Ebanks. Uh, as well. We have our website onpointbasketball.com. We're working on a new website. Uh, we're changing them, some things up. We're actually also starting a scouting service, uh, you know, for boys first, and we're going to try to work in the girls as fast as possible as well. So look out for that. And again, I think a lot of your kids out in Ottawa are going to end up being on our, 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 in our, on our radar for that. So, you know, we have a lot going on. We do our Tuesday balling show, balling show on uh, the Barnburner Network, uh, television network, and Zingo TV channel 250. So if you have a smart TV, uh, you can check me out there, channel 250 on Zingo TV. Uh, and yeah, we're, we're just doing what we got to do. And we hope we can get back out uh, and really be close to everybody that we were used to being close to before. Things are going to change. I think obviously social uh, separation, kind of distancing as well but uh, we still hope that basketball could start up or we can be in, in the gym again you know and hopefully even with limited fans maybe we can start to see the kids uh balling against each other absolutely yeah no fingers crossed that we're back on the uh, hardwood sooner rather than later well drew listen it, it, it's been an absolute pleasure we, we could probably go on for another two or three hours here Easily. so we might <laughs> get you on another episode later down yeah, but, yeah always thank, game thank you so much for joining us Thanks a lot, Kyle. Appreciate it, man. All the best with the show. All right. Take care. And that's a wrap for another episode of the Dine Sports YouTube page and podcast network. Huge thank you goes out to Drew Ebanks from On Point Basketball for joining us and sharing his industry knowledge and expertise. We definitely could have gone on for hours and hours there. And, uh, you know, Drew is just such a, a wealth of information that uh, we'll definitely have to get him back out for a future episode for sure. Just a friendly reminder, if you like what we're bringing you here in terms of content, make sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, uh, send it along to any family and friends 
friends. And uh, other than that, stay tuned. We've got some great uh, interviews coming up later this week, and we'll see you next time.